Cannabis yearns for us to be in a co-creative and co-communicative relationship with her, but it's up to us to actually take the initiative to do it. And I think that with very simple steps like we've laid out here, people can dramatically increase the amount of desirable results they get with cannabis. And by desirable, I do not mean always happy and sunshine and rainbows, but I do mean that they're going to see any experience they receive as positive in nature because they're going to have that anchor of the intention to go back to and go, say, if they made an intention to be happy on the other side of that joint or that volcano bag, and then they experience anxiety, they're going to be able to actually see that as part of the process and becoming happy because now they understand it works like a mirror. Oh, maybe cannabis is showing me what's standing in the way of me being able to be happy in my day-to-day life. And so you're going to be able to see cannabis happening for you, not to you. And like the old saying goes, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so I'm a big fan of thinking that your relationship to cannabis can teach you a lot about how to operate in your life. Because if you start applying these concepts to cannabis, well, then you're going to naturally start applying them to anything. So if someone triggers you, you're going to start seeing that as, oh, that's an opportunity for me to learn an aspect of myself that might be in my shadow. And when I uncover that, I could actually uncover an aspect of my divinity that I've kept secret. Welcome to Masculine Mastery, a show dedicated to helping men open their hearts, rise into their greatness, and liberate their most alive, awakened, and authentic selves. My name is Christopher August, and I invite you to join me each week alongside some of today's most respected thought leaders, where we'll be diving deep into a wide range of topics to support the evolution of masculinity and the consciousness of this planet. is happening everyone i'm back for another episode of the masculine mastery podcast and today we're talking about cannabis now i've been using cannabis since i've been about 13 years old so i'm 35 now do the math it's a very long time now i have never really been a daily user um i've taken years off of it i've taken months off of it however I first started when I was 13 years old and my relationship to the plant and to cannabis, of course, has evolved over the years. And as I discuss in this episode with Ryan, speaking about my sort of conscious and intentional use with cannabis over the past five, six years and what that's done for me, uh, my creativity, what that's done for shadow work and healing at different aspects of myself. Uh, It's been a very, very powerful plant ally and teacher. And I'm a huge proponent of cannabis when used in a ceremonial, intentional and conscious way in which we're going to talk about today with Ryan. Ryan is a conscious cannabis coach. He is the co-founder of Highly Optimized and really what he's bringing to the world is very, very powerful. And so we're going to speak to many different things in this conversation. Um, We're going to talk about the three-step process for moving from an unconscious relationship to a conscious relationship with cannabis, the three ways to understand the language in which cannabis speaks, how to structure your day for success, and He also speaks about his really powerful origin story and how he actually got into this realm, which I found extremely fascinating. And so 
This is a really, really incredible conversation and episode. One of my favorites, actually. And the cool thing is, is that if by the end of this episode, you're like, okay, perhaps you're already a cannabis user, perhaps you're not, and you want to you want to give it a shot and try it in a, in a more conscious way, then you get all of the steps in order to do so through this conversation. Plus we are hosting a workshop coming up in a couple weeks. And this workshop is called cultivate your future. It's a cannabis and breath work workshop. Now this has been something that I've been wanting to do for years and do it in a more public form. I've done private sort of events with cannabis, but doing it in a more public form using both of the incredible and transformative healing modalities of cannabis and breathwork and pairing them together in a workshop to help heal different parts of oneself, heal the inner child, and then also create a new future for yourself. And I can tell you firsthand I am sitting in this chair today having this conversation with you because of these two modalities, because of cannabis and breathwork and what they've done to skyrocket, amplify, enhance, and elevate my life on all levels. And so this is going to be a deep dive. It's going to be a two-hour workshop. Ryan's going to be diving into the power of cannabis more so than he already did on this episode. And I'm going to be taking people through a very immersive breathwork journey. And we're also going to be doing some story story writing um, to our, our childhood selves. We are going to be talking about the future that we want to create for ourselves in our life. And we're going to bring that into form. And so it's going to be a very, very powerful and healing workshop that I'm very, very excited for. So all of the links to the workshop and everything that you need to know is in the show notes. You can go and check that out. And if you have any questions, of course, reach out to me. But with that being said, um, if you do like this episode, you like other episodes of the Masculine Mastery Podcast, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, follow the show, rate the show. Let us know how you're liking it and helps me to continue to spread the good word. And with that being said, I am so excited for this episode, for this conversation. So let the tape roll. See you guys on the other side. Peace. What is up, everybody? I am so excited to be here today. I am joined by my dear brother, Ryan Sprague. We had just met, but I feel like you've been my my brother for a long time. What's up, my man? Dude, you know, it's such a pleasure to be here, man. And one thing I haven't told you that's really funny is you look exactly like a childhood friend of mine named Zach Chapin. And, you know, it's just hilarious how sometimes we have those synchronicities in life, right? And I think of them as winks from the universe, you know, and I really think that the universe is just one big kid playing a game of warmer, colder with us, you know, where if you played that game as a kid where you hide something, you have your friend try to find it, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, all your ice cold. And so it's a pleasure to be here with you, man. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Good old Zach Chapin. What's up, Zach? Yes. And you, you know, <laughs> your doppelganger. On that note, just before we actually dive into the actual conversation, whatever we're going to explore today, which I have a pretty good idea, uh, is there's been people in my life that I've had friends over, you know, a certain amount of years. And then, you know, we walk our separate paths, we go our separate ways, but then somebody else will come into the path maybe a year or two later and they look like them. So I'm like, 
what the fuck's going on here with this? And this is, it's been, this has happened multiple occasions. They either like really sound like them or they'll look like them. And it's like, what is happening here with the nature of reality? <laughs> Dude, you know, it's so funny you say that because I was talking to this guy, Jonah, last night who uh, just signed up for Connect with Cannabis. And uh, we hit it off immediately. It was like we just had met in a previous lifetime. We just picked up where we left off. We ended up chatting till almost midnight. And he reminds me so much of um, uh, Jason Silva, the guy who I've been chatting with recently who made brain games and flow. They sound exactly alike. And so I've been having more and more of those things. And I feel as though, you know, and I imagine, uh, you know, many of your listeners and yourself can relate to this. You know, there are these times in our life where we feel really on fire, like we're completely on our path and we're getting closer to something. What that is, who knows? And that is the fun, right? The mystery of life is fun. The more mystery you have in life, the more fun you have. And I think that's what the Bible meant when it said, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must first enter the mind of a child. Because as the famous song states, heaven is a place on earth. <laughs> uh, well said, well said. And I couldn't agree more with that statement because I do feel that anticipation of sorts, you know, and, you know, the mind wants to know exactly what's around the corner. The mind wants to have the control and the certainty, but it's like, you know, but what the fuck would life be if we had certainty like that? It, it wouldn't be this human experience. So it is nice to have the uncertainty, like what is coming? I do feel it, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I always say it's like, would you, you know, did you, do you want to open your Christmas presents before Christmas morning? Like for anyone who ever did that, you realize you might've thought it was fun when you were a kid. And then you were like, oh, this sucks. Cause then Christmas morning is just not nearly as fun. And I think that, you know, in a world that is left brain dominant and we're trained to know things, quote unquote, when in reality, wise is the man who knows he does not know. I think that, you know, speaking for myself, that's where life became very mundane for me when I knew what I thought I knew. And there was no mystery within life anymore. And I think that that's like one of the big paradoxes, right? It's like, you'll never know anything. And yet to the degree that you think you know things, life just gets a little more dull, at least in my experience. A hundred percent. And I mean, and that's why at a soul, <clears throat> excuse me, at a soul level, we are pushed out of our comfort zone into discomfort so that we can actually shake things up. You know, and the the people that decide to stay in comfort and safety and security while well, the illusion of it, I mean, what is what is the point then? You know, there's just like for me, it's like, no, I didn't come to this planet at this time right now to sit in some bubble. I mean, I did that for a little while, but then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Let me get out of this. Yeah, you know, I I think we talked about this, Chris. But do you know your human design off off uh, your top of your head? I do. Yeah, I'm a three five generator with a sacral Dope. authority. See, so you have the five line in you too. I'm a five one projector, mm. and I have no inner authority, so I have to wait thirty days with the cycle of the moon to figure out what to do. And I'm someone who likes to make decisions right off the bat. But that five is the heretic, right? So like we have to try things out in our own way and question everything, and then come to our own conclusions. And I think that. You know, the five is also kind of the guide and mentor. And I think that that's like really what I try to employ to my clients is like, hey, and my friends too and family, it's like, hey, you know, if you resonate with something that I say, don't automatically take it as capital T truth. Try it out in your own life and see if it works because there is no objective reality, right? Quantum physics has proven this. And so if everything is subjective, well, then it's really like what flavor of ice cream do you like the most? You know, and if you like chocolate and someone else likes vanilla, 
it's not that vanilla is bad and chocolate's better. It's just you like chocolate and they like vanilla, you know? <laughs> and it's so true. It's so true. And and it's like leaving, planting the seeds, but allowing people to work at their evolutionary speed and allow them to go the pace yes. they need to go and all of that. So yeah, no judgment on that. But hey, like as, as humans here right now at this time, at this pivotal time, the shift of consciousness that's happening on planet Earth. Let's have some fun. Let's shake shit up a little bit. Oh, full send, man. Full send. It's the only way to send it. <laughs> so let's uh, let's dive in about well our our subject today, which is which is cannabis and a topic that I am very passionate about speaking to. And I, I don't do this so much in a public forum. And I haven't spoken publicly about it, not for any other reason, because I think I'm going to be judged or anything like that. Just, I don't know, maybe this haven't felt the call until right now to really have this, this really open-hearted conversation around the plant of cannabis, which has been a master teacher for me as I've talked to you about it. And I know it has for you because this is your life and what you're teaching. So <laughs> basically anybody listening to this, um, I want to invite you to come to this conversation with a beginner's mind that this conversation about cannabis might be a little bit different than a, a conversation you've had before, because, you know, we, there's a lot of stigma around cannabis and even though it's legalized in many countries and all of that, there's still stigma around it. And I want to kind of change the conversation. And I want to talk about this in a very conscious way and, and speak to cannabis as what it is, a master teacher. So what is, how did you even get into um, speaking to this topic of conscious cannabis? Yeah, well, you know, as the five line says, you know, I was a heretic and so, or am a heretic. And so when I was 16, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, tried every pharmaceutical, the recommendation of my doctor, and no diss, you know, I imagine they work for some people, but they did not work for me. And so I was left feeling like, is this going to be the way life is forever? And at that age, you know, you don't really know what you don't know. And even when you do know, you don't really know. So it's a paradox in and of itself. But, you know, I was left questioning, like, what was going to give me some relief? How was I going to find some relief? And so a friend had recommended I try cannabis for anxiety. And when you're 16, it probably wasn't the most constructive conversation. But he's like, hey, man, you know, this helps me try it for you. And at that rate, you know, that point in my life, I had seen a lot of people use cannabis and the people I was seeing use it were more of the classic stoner archetype, right? And we can get into that uh, because it's actually not cannabis causing that whatsoever. It's just in most cases, people use cannabis unconsciously as a permission slip to be lazier, to be unproductive, to be these things. And so that was a lot of how I had viewed cannabis at that point. And so I try it. And about the third time I tried it, because it takes a couple of times to actually figure out, like, what am I supposed to be feeling? Do I like this? But the first time that it really hit me, I really felt connected to myself in a way that I hadn't been, you know, I hadn't experienced before. And what I really noticed in that experience that changed my life was that I wasn't my thoughts. So this anxiety I was experiencing, I thought I was anxious. But in reality, I realized I was experiencing anxiety. And so I was able to separate myself from the anxiety I was experiencing. And so it was still annoying. But at the same time, I realized that I was not an anxious person. I was just experiencing that anxiety. And so I thought that was amazing. And so, you know, being is how cannabis has no user manual, which is really what we do in Connect with Cannabis is provide the long lost user manual for cannabis. 
you know, I ended up like many people had the best of intentions, but just ended up overusing it, not really knowing how much was too much, you know, and this is before I cultivated too. So I didn't know, you know, what strains I was getting and things like that. And so fast forward, I get into school for psychology, I was always fascinated with the mind. And, uh, you know, I start going to school, and I start realizing, well, I don't want to wear khakis the rest of my life. So what am I going to do with my life? And so at that point, you know, I woke up one morning and started peeing blood and did not know why. And so cue the mortality crisis uh, that knocks a lot of young people into realizing that they're going to die someday. And so went to the hospital, ended up being a benign cyst in my kidney that had broken open. But it really shell shocked me uh, into realizing like, hey, I need to take better care of my health. And so, you know, I had picked up cannabis and I've been doing that, but I was still, you know, drinking alcohol every once in a while. I was never a huge drinker. It just never really agreed with me, but I was smoking cigarettes. I was doing what most 18 year olds do. And so on the way to the hospital, my father asked me, are you doing drugs? And I said, no, but I'm interacting with a lot of cannabis. And I probably said it with different language. And so, you know, he was like, he had a sigh of relief when I said that. And he had never been a proponent of cannabis, right? He was never like, you know, really against it, but he wasn't really for it either. It was kind of just like, just say no, you know, the Nancy Reagan approach. And so we're on the way to the hospital. He has the sigh of relief, I think, hmm, curious. So we get to the hospital. I get hooked up to all these machines. They're trying to figure out what's happening. And I bring my laptop with me, or actually my father had gone home and gotten it and brought it in. So he was sitting with me a lot at the hospital. We had nothing else to do. So I started showing him a lot about why I was interacting with cannabis. I started showing him documentaries like Leaf uh, by Dr. William Courtney, in which he met a patient with 11 autoimmune disorders, started juicing her raw cannabis leaves, so no intoxicating effects, and put all of her disorders into remission. And then they ended up getting married. Really cool story. I think it came out in 2011. You guys can go check it out for those listening. And so he starts watching all these videos with me. And he's like, wow. And to his credit, he had no cognitive dissonance. He was just like, oh, I guess I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, he hadn't interacted with cannabis since the 70s. He never liked it when he tried it. You know, actually, funny story. The one time he had tried it, him and his first wife, they got a joint. They smoked it. They heard a cop siren. They were in their house. They heard a cop siren. And they ended up hiding under the dining room table of their house for like three hours, thinking the cops knew they were smoking cannabis. So needless to say, he never tried cannabis again. And so, you know, here I am in the hospital having him watch these videos. And he's like, wow, that's really interesting. So my dad was very open minded. And so he realized like, hey, if this is working for you, you know, if it's mitigating your anxiety, you're in school, you got a job, like you're an adult, you know, I'm going to let you use this in the house because I'd rather you do that than be out, you know, in your car or something like that, trying to hide it. So after that, my dad and I bonded over this. And this was right after the recession. So my dad's company had taken a big hit and he needed a good hobby. And so did I. And so I started looking into cultivating, you know, medical had just passed. This is now 2012. And so after a lot of, you know, pushing him, come on, dad, buy me a kit because I was a broke college student. He finally gave in. We bought this kit, you know, with an LED light, so overpriced. And, uh, you know, I bought some seeds and we tried growing. And our first harvest was absolutely terrible. I mean, like to the point where like at the final point, I had let my plants flower for like 18 weeks, you know, these indica plants. So for anyone listening who grows, you'll be laughing as hard as I was at that point. So I could touch the nugs and they turn to dust basically. And so a couple months later after that harvest, I go to uh, an event called the Boston Freedom Rally, which is a a big public display of disobedience where everyone comes out in the green and they smoke cannabis and the cops don't bother you. I've been to it. It's amazing. So I'm there. Dude, yeah, it's cool, right? And I don't know if they have these all over the country or anything, but it's really cool, you know, and it's it's one of those things that like, you know, I, I went every year, but this year, 
something was different because now I was growing, you know, I was into cannabis and medical had passed. So now there was a potential for a future in this realm, but no dispensaries had opened. Uh, you know, there was no like fine, you know, actual things on the calendar to say that this was going to be an industry here. And so I hear this guy yelling, who wants to make butter with me? So I go over to his little canopy and he's giving out these cards for a cannabis institute opening five minutes from my house. So I'm like, okay, message received. And so I go home and I tell my dad and I'm like, dad, could you help me out? Could you pay for this? He's like, I'll do you one better. I'll buy a spot with you and go. And so my dad and I ended up going to the school because he was just thoroughly interested. You know, he used to bring me to metal shows when I was a kid. Must have been the most hilarious thing for him at like the summer slaughter tour, listening to the decapitated and these kind of bands, you know, sitting in the back, just being like, what are these kids doing? But he would come, he would always support me in whatever I did. And uh, so he goes to the school with me, you know, uh, we start learning everything about cannabis. We start meeting cancer patients who are treating their cancer with RSO, which is Rick Simpson oil, aka an extract that, that is shown to kill cancer cells. And for anyone listening who wants some evidence on that, you can go on PubMed and look up the studies on THC killing cancer cells in mice and also CBD inhibiting cancer cell growth. And I think there's actually a lot more studies on that now than there was about 10 years ago. But so we end up going there. Uh, you know, I start realizing this is what I want to do. I start learning about regenerative agriculture, Korean natural farming, uh, you know, the pharmacological aspects of cannabis, the science of cannabis. And so around that time, uh, I'm now about 22, 23, right around there. I end up interning for the school, working for them. And I end up going to my first music festival, Electric Daisy Carnival, Las Vegas. And I end up interacting with MDMA for the first time. And I remember when I was there, I felt this really strong heart pull towards my dad. And I didn't know why, you know, he was a, he loved going to casinos and stuff. So I figured I just kind of wrote it up. It's like, oh, you know, I wish he could be in Vegas with me. You know, this is kind of like the Mecca for people who like what he likes. And so I didn't think much of it. I go home and about nine days after I got home, I found out he got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I did not know at that point that he had only gotten two months to live. Uh, he had small cell carcinoma that had spread to his brain and uh, pretty much all throughout his body. And so you know, I realized in that moment that, you know, first of all, he didn't want to be seen as the sick guy, right? He was choosing to not take treatment. He wanted to continue smoking cigarettes and drinking Coca-Cola. And so I had the option, you know, do I try to change my dad into the person that I think he should be so that he stays around for me? Or do I love him for who he is and where he's at and accept what's happening? And, you know, he seemed like he was having some closure around uh, his situation and he had just finished bringing his brother for three years to Dana-Farber in Boston for cancer treatment, had watched what chemo and radiation did to him. And he was like, listen, I want to die with my dignity and my hair because he had a great head of hair. And so, you know, after a certain point, a couple of weeks, I started realizing I was having really trouble connecting with him, you know, because I couldn't see him as just normal now. I mean, I saw him as the sick guy. And also it's my dad, you know, and I love him. And so, you know, I'm going through this challenge of my own. And so after a couple of weeks, you know, he started experiencing some severe pain uh, in his lungs and in his head. And so I started telling him, hey, dad, you know, I know you haven't interacted with cannabis and he still hadn't interacted with it at this point with me. And I was like, but I should start giving you RSO to at least numb the pain and, you know, potentially slow down your tumor growth and things like that. So he finally decided, OK, let's do it. And so here's someone who doesn't interact with cannabis and I'm giving him the strongest version of cannabis basically in the world. Right. Also in an edible method which when you eat cannabis versus inhaling it, Delta 9 THC gets converted into 11 hydroxy THC, which is up to seven times more intoxicating than Delta 9 when you inhale it. And so he was going through some challenges, right, with cannabis, because he was, you know, afraid of letting go of control. And so 
I would sit with him when he was interacting with it. We'd watch movies and things like that. And he'd ask me questions. And it's kind of like my dad was a big kid at that point, right? He was like, wow, what's this feeling? You know, what do you think happens when you die? You know, and so like we'd have these conversations with very little pressure on them. You know, these really heavy subjects of death and closure. And during that time, I got to watch him, you know, have closure with his grandchildren, his other children, you know, my siblings. Uh, my mother, and his own mortality. And I got to hear stories about his childhood that I never heard before. Stories about him from, you know, the 80s when he was the party animal and all these things that I'd never heard. And so it was at that point that I realized there was a deeper power to cannabis and a deeper, you know, aspect that I had, I had never tapped into. I had experienced the, you know, connection to myself when I had anxiety. But now I realized, wow, this uh, doesn't just help me connect to myself. It helps me connect to the people I love. And, you know, in theory, like think about Bob Marley, right? Like that guy brought a lot of people together and he was one of the biggest cannabis advocates of all time. So I started connecting some dots and we ended up prolonging my dad's life for a year past uh, when the doctors had given him for a termination date. And I got that extra year of my father that I don't believe I would have gotten otherwise. And he got to keep his dignity during that time. He got to die the way he wanted to die and transition out of this realm. And so after that, I realized that like I had a burning desire in me now to really bring the true power of cannabis to the world at large. And so dispensary started opening up. I ended up getting hired at the local dispensary, working as a patient care advocate with over 5,000 patients on everything from psychological problems uh, to, you know, health diet. I was a holistic health coach at this point too. So I was giving them a lot more than just cannabis knowledge. And I realized that cannabis was one piece of a holistic health puzzle. But if people weren't, you know, balancing the other things, well, then they were abusing it. And at this point, I thought that I had all figured out, right? I was using it daily, at night, pretty much one bowl per night. And I thought, you know, I'm using cannabis the right way. And so after about five years in the industry, uh, a company bought us out that was not in alignment with my values and how I looked at cannabis. And so my girlfriend, who was also in the industry, that's where I met her actually at the dispensary. And, uh, you know, we decided, you know what? We're going to go out to Vegas to MJ BizCon, uh, the biggest cannabis convention in the world. We're going to find our own investors and we're going to bring love grown cannabis to the world. Because at this point, I was cultivating with regenerative methods. I did not believe in cultivating with chemical salts. You know, I thought that the energy of the plant and the cultivator who grew it was very important. Uh, and, you know, they just didn't agree with that. So it was a great gift in disguise because it forced me to actually take action on changing my life. And so I go out to Vegas. Uh, and we just find a bunch of other people who were not in alignment with us, basically. And so we have this mini dark night of the soul out there. We're like, wow, we thought we were going to come out here and meet all these people that really believed in cannabis. And here we are basically just with more of the same thing we were experiencing at the dispensary back home. And so, you know, the last night she goes, ah, you know, this kind of sucks. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what do you want to do? It's our final night. So she goes, do you want to go to a strip club? And I go, yeah, I've never been to one. She's like, I've never been to one either. So we go to a strip club. We interact with a little bit of MDMA and, you know, it's funny because people might hear this and go, wow, you did MDMA in a strip club and how could that ever be healing? Well, I got to tell you, that was the greatest awakening of my life. So we go there, we're having conversations with the strippers. We're just like talking about their life plans. Just like, tell us about you. Who are you? You know, and having a blast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just having an absolute blast. They're like, do you want to see a name? I'm like, nah, just tell me about your life. This is so cool. And so I'm like, all right, this is weird. So you know, we end up. Uh, leaving way too late. I was tasked with keeping track of time and I am not the best person with time. Uh, time and I are always a little uncalibrated. And so we ended up leaving way too late and she was working on a big application for an Illinois dispensary. She was writing out a 600 page, you know, really legal and heavy with like the office supply vibe, if you will, uh, application. And so 
she went through this like crisis of like, how am I going to work on this on the plane? I'm already behind on this. Oh my God. And in that moment, I empathized with her. And I realized that I hadn't felt feelings since my father passed, basically. And so I was like, why? And then all of a sudden, my higher self, my soul, whatever you want to think, communicated it to me, said, well, you've been using cannabis as a permission slip to numb all your emotions. And it was like, it rocked me so hard because I realized how true it was in that moment. And also I felt my identity, right, of this person who, you know, his whole world is cannabis, start crumbling right before me. I was like, who even am I, right? Like, here I am coming out and speaking about this stuff, right? I hadn't yet talked about conscious cannabis or anything like that. But here I am thinking that I have it all figured out. I actually don't have anything figured out with this plant that I thought I knew. And so I go home, I take a three month break from cannabis. And in that time, I quit the job, I start highly optimized. And I end up coming back to cannabis because I didn't know if I'd ever go back to it because the people I was around at that point at the dispensary were just numbing out with it. And I didn't know of anyone that was using it in a different way. So then I start researching indigenous cultures and I start realizing, you know, the things like accountability and radical ownership over your experience. So I realized it wasn't cannabis that did these things to me and it wasn't cannabis was the fault. It was how I was interacting with it because I wasn't self-aware enough. And so I ended up building a structure into my life where I began only using cannabis once or twice per week on weekends, uh, specifically with intention. And that was my first step. And so over that, you know, next three years, you know, I really built in this whole conscious cannabis thing and started getting downloads. And it was funny because I got into coaching then, you know, psychology came back around for me. And I start traveling and meeting all these coaches. And I'm looking to get into coaching. I think cannabis is just going to be my hobby. And so, you know, I'm coming to them. They're like, Oh, what are you doing? And so I tell them my story. And I'm like, Yeah, but I'm getting into coaching. And they're like, Well, can you tell me more about cannabis, like in your story, because I'm smoking a lot of cannabis, and I don't know if it's a problem. So I end up starting to do this cannabis coaching stuff, all the while thinking like, yeah, this is cool, but I'm going to get into like this other type of coaching. And so after about two years of doing that, I start really realizing after a ton of downloads, like start asking, am I meant to be a cannabis coach and like start bringing this stuff to the world? And the second I asked that question, the universe answered with a resounding yes in the form of intuitive downloads, clairvoyant images, clairaudient, you know, clairsentience, just unbelievable amounts of downloads. And from that, the Connect with Cannabis program is born. And so this is really a journey of following my heart. And that's why cannabis and why I'm here. Wow. Profound, profound story. Thank you for for sharing that and, and going into depth about everything, because I really feel like you couldn't have left anything out there to really paint the whole picture that you did. So yeah, I really appreciate that. And yeah, you know, this world uh, with cannabis and the relationship that we have with these plants um, are often skewed, you know, I mean, just for just to put into context for my story a little bit for a brief two minutes of where I went through from using it at 13 years old, my older friend's brother smoking six foot bongs, you know, doing elevators in the garage, <laughs> getting high as like high as fuck, just like, like trying to go home. And my friend is trying to like, you know, talk to my mom so I can go to my room. And I'm just like, you know, that type of stuff. So that was, that was my relationship with the good cannabis old at 13, 14, you know, and back in the, in the nineties. So, um, and where, where it's taken me though, to this point of, yeah, using it intentionally. And I, what really turned me on to this idea of conscious cannabis was, and I mentioned this to you, was a guy named Stephen Gray, who 
co-wrote a book with many other people called Cannabis and Spirituality. And when I started to tap into that and, and I interviewed him on my other podcast that I had at the time, there was something that just hit me like a ton of bricks. My heart just opened up. My Everything just expanded. And interesting enough, I was already using it kind of consciously and intentionally before I in, interviewed him, but that just took it to a whole nother level. And, you know, one thing that I would say to anybody listening that does use cannabis is the game changes. The game changes when you when you start using it in this way. And so let's talk about that a little bit. So basically people um, perhaps listening to this have used cannabis, maybe stopped, are using it now, um, and want to create a deeper relationship with it. Um, maybe they don't know that, but maybe they do now since they're listening to this conversation. What is that um, process like for people um, to start using in that way. Yeah. You know, it's so funny too, because Stephen Gray's coming on next week after I chatted with you, I was like, I'm going to reach out to him. And so I'm getting him on this one time on psychedelics, uh, my podcast next week. And you know, it was funny. I didn't find cannabis and spirituality or high magic or any of the books that, you know, I've read over and over now until after I'd created the first round of connect with cannabis. And so it was just so fascinating to find these individuals. I'm like, Oh my God, they're speaking my language. You know, here I was thinking that not that I was alone, but just that, you know, most people weren't talking about it in this way. And here are these, you know, absolute units speaking about it. And I felt like they were taking it right out of my brain. I'm like, yes, this makes so much sense. And so, you know, like you were saying, the game changes with cannabis. Like most people think, you know, and I don't blame them for thinking this, but they think like, well, how much could cannabis change, right? I've tried all the strains. They're looking at all the quantitative measures, right? They're looking at the left brain approach. I've tried smoking in many ways. I've tried edibles. I've tried different strains. How much could it change? But it's more qualitative in nature is what we're getting at, right? Which is you know, cannabis is a feminine energy and a feminine spirit. And so, you know, just like when you meet a woman, right? Like if you're a man anyway, uh, you know, like there are these things where like, you know, women are kind of like, yeah, we think you're cool, but like, you know, you got to kind of prove yourself a little bit because a lot of men are kind of crazy. And so, and you know, it happens to everyone, but like, you know, cannabis is very similar where because she's a mother, she's not just going to blow your world open like with, you know, San Pedro or peyote or a boga or any of these more masculine plants or even tobacco, right? Like tobacco will sit you down, you know, and cannabis, like, yeah, <laughs> I've had some funny experiences with that and hape. And so, you know, it's interesting because what I found is that cannabis will meet you where you're at. And so if she feels you're not ready to really receive what she, what the potential is, she won't show you it. But when you start asking going, okay, I'm ready to see behind the veil she'll start giving you more. And so what this could look like, and really, I've tried to slim it down to like a three step process for those listening is, you know, what we've done is, you know, a three step process for becoming conscious in your relationship with cannabis, because my intention is always to have people walk away with an episode or from an episode that I do with someone with something actionable, they can go, okay, let me go try this out. Because again, like I said, in the beginning, I don't want people to take what I say is the only way to do it. This is just something I found that works for me. And if it happens to work for them, fantastic. And so the first step of this process, if you're looking to engage in cannabis in a more conscious, intentional way, is something we call take your power back. And it combines the concepts of setting intention and creating a ceremonial space and a ceremony out of cannabis. And so an example of this could be something as simple as saying, on the other side of this joint or bong bowl or volcano bag, that's my preferred method, you know, I want to figure out why I'm blocked creative, uh, creatively right now. You know, I'm experiencing this block and I don't know why. And so now you've set your intention. And then creating a ceremony out of it could be things such as 
burning sage and, and cleansing yourself of all any, you know, static energy or anything that's going to interfere in the experience, then reinvigorating your space with Palo Santo, and then doing a seven directional prayer, and having a positive set and setting. So the set part of that of your mindset is your intention, right? Why are you going to work with this plant, right? What is your intention here? And then your setting is like, are you in a safe space? First of all, are you comfortable? And is there a quiet atmosphere for you to receive the messages that cannabis is going to give to you regarding your intention? Because I think of your ceremony as the space in which your intention can play out. And as we know, with plant medicines, a lot of the times, our left brain thinks, okay, you know what, I think this is going to happen. And all too often, what happens is it comes to you in a way that you did not expect. And so with cannabis, right, if you set an intention to figure something out, and then you go to a concert, it's not inherently bad, but you might miss the message that cannabis is looking to give you. And so again, there's no objective right and wrong with cannabis, I feel, you know, you can go to a concert and interact with it, if you have a certain intention to connect with your friends or listen to live music or something. But if you have like a deep, you know, curiosity within you, you want to have a quiet space to do so. And so then an example could be laying down, doing a body scan, and using the breath that I know we're both a fan of, to both accept and let go, right? So this moves into the second step of the process, which is uh, unlocking creative potential. And so we've all heard that cannabis can uh, bring forth creativity. But as anyone who's interacted with cannabis knows, it's not a given. It's not like if you interact with cannabis, you get creativity. So I started asking myself, what's the missing component there? Well, all too often, what happens is that there's too many cooks in the kitchen, right? We're not actually willing to subtract from the equation of ourselves enough to give space for the spirit of cannabis to work through us. And so that's another reason why a lot of the times, cannabis doesn't work in this way, because we're not surrendering, right? We're not actually subtracting and creating that space from which cannabis can work within. And so to do that, what I really like doing is first of all, laying down and doing this body scan. And so what you're doing there is you're just laying down, you're getting still, and you're noticing any point in your body that has tension, uh, you know, any place that feels off. And instead of trying to fix it or judge it, you're just breathing into that area to accept it, and then breathing out to release it and let go. And, you know, I use the term surrender on purpose, because I know for a lot of people, it's a trigger term. And I want people to be able to reimagine what surrender is, because I think for a lot of people, we have an ego, right? And so it's scary to let go, especially when we don't know why we're letting go. But when you have an intention, you have a anchor from which you understand what you're surrendering into, and why you're surrendering. So you have like a mission now, right? And so when you're laying down and doing this body scan, you just keeping aware of what's happening. And so during that process, that's when a lot of these messages might come to you. And one of the things cannabis does is it opens up intuitive senses like clairvoyance, like clairaudience, like clairsentience, intuitive knowing, etc. So depending on who you are, you know, most people I've found that I work with in psychic ways, they have one of these senses that's stronger than the other ones. And then, you know, most most people, they've atrophied to a good amount, at least in Western societies, because we've never been taught that they were like objectively real. And so for me, it was intuitive knowing. That's the one I'm most connected to. And so for me, it might just pop in like painting. Oh, yeah, I haven't painted in a while. Oh, my God. And now you're on a thread, right? You're like, oh, I'm blocked creatively, creatively. And now I got this signal to paint. So the great thing about cannabis is now we can move into step three while we're still in the experience, which is becoming unstoppable. And you become unstoppable with cannabis and other plant medicines when you practice integration. Because integration is actually taking your PEAK experience, oh my god, I experienced something and I figured out I was about to paint and all this stuff, and realizing that all cannabis showed you was something that was already possible for you 
past the limitations in your mind because as a default mode network and the ego rescind, right, you're actually able to experience new things and you're actually able to experience imagination and create new re reality for yourself and new belief systems that create this new reality. And so what you can do is during that experience, right, when you get your download of like, oh my God, painting, unlike with psilocybin or any of these plants that are a little bit heavier, what you can do is literally take out your phone right there and take action on that right then. Sign up for the art class. Go on a website and buy an art kit, right? You can actually take initiative to do that right then. And so a lot of times what happens is people mistake cannabis for what I call the moon or sun. And so like what happens all too often is that people think, oh, I felt amazing when I interacted with cannabis. So therefore to feel amazing, it must be more cannabis I need. When in reality, like I was saying, it's just cannabis showing you what's already possible. And this is how all plant medicines work. They show you what's already possible beyond the confines of your limited view of reality at that point. And then your Easter egg hunt is figuring out what belief systems, you know, patterns, programs, et cetera, are preventing you from feeling that. So maybe you get this download to paint, you come out of it, and then your belief systems come back of like, oh, I'd suck at painting. I wouldn't be good. You know, there's no point in doing it. And then you don't take action on it. And then next week, you're like, I want to feel amazing again. So you interact with cannabis again, and you get the same message. And it takes you a little while to figure this out. And so that's why I tell people like cannabis and other plant medicines, they will show you the what, but it's up to you to figure out the how. And it's really funny because we actually have a methodology that's kind of the second step to this called the highly optimized way, aka the how. And so what we do is we say to be able to work with cannabis in this way, transcendentally and spiritually, you need to be able to take a minimum of three days off per week. Because as Paul Check states, anything you can't take three days off of owns you. And that is a codependent relationship. And when you're in a codependent relationship, you can't be your full authentic self and neither can the other person because you have this scarcity of like, oh, if I say the wrong thing, are they going to freak out? And so cannabis being feminine, once again, works in a very similar way. But once she knows that you can actually live your life without her, she's more willing to show you things because she knows that you're not dependent on her being there to teach you these things all the time and be your mom, essentially. And so if you can take that minimum of three days off per week, and then the first day you go back to using cannabis, that be your ceremony in which you're using this three-step process, then you're going to be able to have a complete revolution in how you experience cannabis. And so for anyone listening, that three-step process and the highly optimized way is a great place to start. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And I love how you've actually broken this down because, you know, a lot of most of the listeners are obviously men and men obviously think a lot from the left brain. So having a step-by-step -step process that you mentioned is really, really powerful and, and I think important as well. And, you know, one thing I wanted to mention about cannabis that I think is really important to note here is that a lot of times when people start using cannabis or they like, why, why, why did you stop using it? Most people are like, well, you know, it showed me things that I didn't want to see, or I got too anxious. You talked about anxiety a little bit before, you know, but there's one thing that I do want to mention. And from my personal use, Use of cannabis and working with it in an intentional way is that sometimes I use it for shadow work. And because the mm. cannabis plant has a powerful ability to show you things that are hidden within the unconscious and the patterns, the limitations, all of the things that we're holding on to. And I always know because it guides you right to the point even of the body of where you're holding on to whatever it is you're holding on to, whether it be a fear, again, a belief, a pattern, a story, whatever it is, it will show you and it will take you there. And 
if you allow that mm. process to unfold organically and naturally, there's a lot of gems in that because every shadow is a gateway to a gift, right? So I just wanted to add that piece yeah. onto it. And also, of course, the creativity and the intuition and all of that, which is just profound <laughs> once you tap into it. Yeah, you know, it's so cool you bring that up because I also have, uh, you know, three ways to understand the language that cannabis speaks in, right? Because, you know, we know that cannabis being a plant spirit, it's not going to necessarily communicate in a language, especially not English most of the time. You know, it might come through as an intuitive knowing, but mostly it's going to communicate in certain ways. And so the first way is understanding that it's feminine medicine. And so therefore, when people think, you know, the classic lazy stoner archetype, well, feminine energy is all potential, no action, right? It's curiosity, it's creativity. But masculine energy is what's required to actually take action. And so if you understand cannabis as feminine, then you realize that your end of the bargain is actually providing the masculine energy and the intention setting to be able to actually tell the plant where you wanna go. Because if you don't, then your unconscious is gonna set an unconscious intention. And that's a lot of the time why we experience anxiety. It's a, you know, or paranoia, or, you know, insert undesirable emotion here. It's multifaceted because, you know, I know I won't get into it too heavy, but, <clears throat> you know, what can happen, what can happen sometimes is that the energy of the cultivator, right? Like when you interact with a cannabis plant and cannabis in general, you're interacting with the level of consciousness of the grower who cultivated it. And so if they are anxious, they are paranoid, then you're going to be able to actually get that the same way as if you eat industrialized meat that was raised in a stressed out environment, well, then you're uploading stress into your body. And that's why we're creating Grow With Cannabis right now, because we really feel that to be able to actually understand that whatever energy you're feeling and whatever state you're feeling is yours, you need to be able to cultivate your own medicine. Also, most of the cannabis out there these days is essentially factory farmed. And so I won't go super into that, but that is a whole nother rabbit hole. And so with it being feminine, you know, I always use this salsa dance analogy. So if you have a male and a female salsa dancing, what are the roles there? The male is there to provide the structure, right? And give the woman the eye that knows, that says, I'm focused on you. I know where you're going and I'll be there to catch you when you do your backbend, right? And so on the other side, the woman's role is to feel safe in that and to be able to express herself within the container that the masculine has set. And so if, if with cannabis, if she has to try to figure out where you want to go and express herself fully, well, there's too many cooks in the kitchen, right? She doesn't have the full amount of energy to actually give you the experience that is really going to be beneficial for you. So I always tell people, whether you're male or female, it's up to us as the human being to provide that masculine component of like, what direction? Why are you interacting with me? And then the second step to this is that, like you were saying, cannabis acts as a mirror. So a lot of times people externalize their power onto the plant by saying, cannabis made me anxious. Cannabis made me paranoid. When in reality, in most cases, it's actually just mirroring back your internal state. The one exception is that maybe you interacted with cannabis that was grown by a grower who had anxiety. And so it's multifaceted. But in most cases, it's mirroring back your internal state with an opportunity for you to dive into that and do your shadow work. And then the third step to this is that cannabis is imagination medicine. And I think this is the my, my favorite one uh, in terms of the language cannabis speaks, because I'm not a religious person, very spiritual, but I know a good line when I hear it. And the Bible states, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must first enter the mind of a child. What is the mind of a child constituted with? Curiosity, imagination, awe, wonder. They're not worried about being right, right? And so in order to create a new life and a new life in which you get to create your dream reality, you first have to imagine that reality. And so cannabis gives you the gift of moving beyond the default mode network and the ego past all your limitations and allows you to imagine a new reality. And this is Joe Dispenza. Of course, he talks about this heavily. And from imagination, 
we can start to create new belief systems. And our belief systems are what actually create our experience of life. We live within the confines of what we believe to be true or untrue about life. And so if you understand these three ways in which cannabis speaks, and you also understand the three steps and the highly optimized way, you're really set up for a lot of success and radical ownership if you are to take that in working with cannabis. And I found that to be very powerful in being able to completely revolutionize someone's experience with the plant. Mm. Boom. Yeah. I mean, there's the guide right there. And that's like a guide to life transformation using this plant. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of power in that and everything that you just spoke to. And, and I do um, really appreciate you mentioning the energetics of it as well, as far as from a growing standpoint, because people don't often consider that it's like, are there, there's fucking guns in a basement, people being held for this type of, you know, whatever it is. It's like, who knows what the situation and where this, where the energetics of this plant and what it's being exposed to at any given time. And it's also like, you know, we don't think about our water the same way, our water and the way we're cultivating our, our water holds so much memory. These plants hold so much memory. So it's so important to really think about this in this type of way. Absolutely, man. You know, I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, cultivating is one of my ultimate passions and I go deep down the rabbit hole when it comes to cultivating. And so this course that I'm in the middle of creating now, you know, we work with regenerative agriculture. We work with Korean natural farming. We work with writing love and gratitude on your containers. We work with balancing out the room uh, that you're cultivating. And if you're growing indoor with biogeometry or outdoor with biogeometry, because, you know, there's a lot of static interference from EMFs uh, and all of these radio waves and things like that, that we really can't, you know, we can't, take them away. And so what do we do? We can harmonize them with things like biogeometry. And so, you know, being able to apply biogeometry in your grow rooms will be able to allow the plant to feel much more safe because although we can't see these EMFs and radio waves with the naked eye, you know, essentially it's like someone screaming at your plant constantly. And so your plant gets really like anxious about that. And so being able to harmonize your space not only helps your plants, but it also helps you a lot. I mean, humans, we have a biofield, right? And in that biofield, it holds all the collection of frequencies that we need to be able to allow our body to remember how to heal itself and create homeostasis. But if we have all this interference, well, then our body starts forgetting how to do these things. And so if we're able to create harmony in our body and in our room, well, then when we go into our room, we are harmonized, our room is harmonized, and our plants benefit as a result. Mm. Yeah, so, so important. And, and the follow-up question I would have to that is, okay, so let's say somebody doesn't have the opportunity to grow their own. Um, they don't know anybody that's growing it consciously with these sort of methods, and they get, the, they get their bud what is what is a way in which they can begin to one to harmonize themselves before they take it in and then also harmonize the actual bud that they have um what is some some ways for for that to happen i love that you asked this question because i'm so big on this right now because you know again like you said most people are not going to cultivate their own right now and yet they might want to interact with cannabis in the way we're speaking about right now and so one of the best ways to do this for yourself is to just do a simple box breathing before you enter the room, right? And set an intention of what energy you want to bring to that room. So an example would be go through five to 10 rounds of box breathing, four, 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 or four, 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 before you go in there. And then set an intention of, I'm going to bring love to my plants today, right? If you're growing. And now say if you are not growing and you just get some flower, you have no idea how it was grown. I'm a big fan of analogies. And so we talked about sage and Palo Santo earlier. Well, biogeometry 
has components that I think of as Sage and Palo Santo. And I don't have the um, uh, the clearing tray right now, but I do have the charging plate in front of me. And so I'll tell you guys a quick and easy step for this. So on Biogeometry's website, you'll see a lot of different things on there. And you can go crazy on there and spend a lot of money. But you could spend $30 about total, and you could get what's called a clearing tray and then a charging plate. And the clearing tray is your Sage, right? That's going to clear it of whatever energy was in there but it's going to make it void of whatever energy was in there also, maybe good energy too that was in there. And so then you're going to use the charging plate, which I do have right here. You're going to use the charging plate to be your Palo Santo and reinvigorate it with positive energy. And so all you do is you take your nugs and you put it on your clearing tray for about 10 minutes and then your charging plate for about 10 minutes. And if you want to go really cool and actually test this quantitatively, they have pendulums on there that test for an energy quality called BG3 which is a centering, harmonizing energy quality found at every sacred site in the world. And so if you're like, does this really work? You could actually take your pendulum, test your nugs before you do this, and then test it after and be your own scientist, right? And what I've found, that's how I figured this out because it works dramatically well. And so that's a quick and easy way for anyone listening, whether they're growing or just buying it, to be able to benefit from this, even if they don't have full control over what they're buying or what they're growing. Wow, powerful. Very powerful and, and, and really necessary, honestly, and especially, you know, people that are highly sensitive to energetics and everything like that, like including myself, you know, just like being so sensitive to the world at large around me. And so being able to really tap into the subtleties and to, yeah, to, to really do this in a conscious and intentional way, these sort of methods are, are key. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, and again, like, you know, cannabis, cannabis yearns for us to be in a co-creative and co-communicative relationship with her, but it's up to us to actually take the initiative to do it. And I think that with very simple steps, like we've laid out here, people can dramatically increase the amount of desirable results they get with cannabis. And by desirable, I do not mean always happy and sunshine and rainbows, but I do mean that they're going to see any experience they receive as positive in nature because they're going to have that anchor of the intention to go back to and go, say, if they made an intention to be happy on the other side of that joint or that volcano bag, and then they experience anxiety, they're going to be able to actually see that as part of the process and becoming happy because now they understand it works like a mirror. Oh, maybe cannabis is showing me what's standing in the way of me being able to be happy in my day-to-day -day life. And so you're going to be able to see cannabis happening for you, not to you. And like the old saying goes, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so I'm a big fan of thinking that your relationship to cannabis can teach you a lot about how to operate in your life. Because if you start applying these concepts to cannabis, well, then you're going to naturally start applying them to anything. So if someone triggers you, you're going to start seeing that as, oh, that's an opportunity for me to learn an aspect of myself that might be in my shadow. And when I uncover that, I could actually uncover an aspect of my divinity that I've kept secret because I thought it might be a bad thing. And so there's so much there. And I think with cultivating it too, and why I'm so big on Grow With Cannabis right now, the program we're creating, is because you can learn a lot about yourself with cultivating a plant and what stage of growth the plant is in. So when you're in a seedling stage, right, when you're beginning at something, it's important to be careful with how you're judging yourself, right? It's important to be in the beginner's mindset. It's important to not overwater your plant because it's very fragile. You want to make sure that no critters eat it if you're outside. You know, and you also... 
as your plant starts growing and it's starting to, you know, and be in the vegetative state and it's starting to really pack on weight. Okay, cool. What does it need? Well, it needs a lot more food, right? So if you're running a business and you're going a lot and you're working a lot, well, you need high quality food, you need high quality water. And so there are all of these things you can learn from cannabis. And what I feel, especially for men, which I'm really glad this is a masculine podcast, because I really feel that men, we need a recognition ritual. Because when we go from our warrior hat of working, and then we come home to be boyfriend, husband, father, friend, etc. It's really hard to make that transition if we don't have an actual ritual to go through that. And while I don't want to, you know, invite people to use cannabis every time to do that, because that can bring on patterns of dependency, numbing out emotions, etc. What you could do is by cultivating cannabis, you come home from your work, you hop into your shower, you listen to some reggae, right? You go into your grow room, you spend 30 minutes in there listening to some music, working on your ladies, you get nice and down regulated. Then you come out and you're ready to be dad. You're ready to be husband. You're ready to cook dinner. You're ready to play, right? And so it provides this recognition ritual. And one of the main things about masculinity these days that, you know, essentially is one of the reasons that we as men get shit on so much in society is because we're missing rites of passage. And so while this isn't necessarily a rite of passage, it can be a really good interplay to be able to make up for the lack of rituals that many of us have in our lives. And the best part is it's fun and over time. Every day you go in there, you get to reap the rewards and the fruits of your labor because you see these plants growing and you get positive reinforcement. You give them water, you play music for them, they grow bigger. Then at the end, you get to harvest them and then you get to have have that regenerative loop of like, okay, how am I feeling when I interact with these plants? That will tell me a lot about where I'm at energetically, right? And so a lot of times, like, it's a great sign. You interact with your cannabis, you feel amazing. You're like, wow. I'm doing really well energetically. So there's all these different things that allow us to learn from cannabis way past just interacting with the medicine. And that's why I'm so excited about these two courses, Connect with Cannabis and Grow with Cannabis, because I feel like they're really two sides of the same coin to be able to interact with cannabis as a spiritual aid and ally and teacher versus a substance. Because let's face it, right? There are people that interact with it like a substance, and there are people that want to interact with it differently. And neither is right or wrong. It's just a thing. But I'm here to say that if you want to interact with cannabis and you yearn to in, you know, a way that it can act as a spiritual aid and ally and teacher, well, then this is a process to do that. If you want to interact with it as a substance and numb out with it, no judgment. That's your decision as a sovereign being. But if you want to do it in the other way, I can help with that. Mm. Beautiful. I mean, after listening to that, <laughs> I don't know who wouldn't want to interact in that way. So, I, uh, yeah, I it's felt a lot of fun. A- Found a lot of power and inspiration from this conversation today. And the beautiful thing is, is that people that want to take this deeper and want to learn more about, yeah, really, I guess a hands-on approach of using cannabis in a conscious mm. way. We're doing a workshop together, which I'm really fucking yes, stoked are. for and pumped for and, and just really excited for this experience. So um, coming up in mid-August, we are going to be hosting a workshop that is going to bridge both cannabis and breath work together and bring together some story writing and our inner child and also some powerful manifestation work and using these two very, very potent and powerful modalities together in a conscious way to create change and transformation. Yeah, I'm so excited for it, man, because what I've realized about, you know, the inner child and, you know, trauma as a whole, right, is that a lot of times, right, our inner children they get traumatized, not by any, you know, uh, necessarily bad things, but just they don't know how to process things at that age. And so we hold a lot of energy at those times in our life. And so if we want to manifest something, well, it's like, 
if you already have a traffic jam, if you're already full up, if you have no space, well, what helps, what helps a traffic jam? Do you help a traffic jam by putting more cars into it and expecting it to flow? Or do you help it by taking cars out of it? And so really what this workshop that we're doing is going to do is go back to your inner child and be able to create some space from that age in your life, right? And tap into the innocence of that age and connect with that aspect to yourself. And then with that space you've created, you now have space to tune into your dream reality and start feeling into the feelings attached and associated with your future reality. And then once you've experienced that feeling, well, then in your daily sober reality, where you're meditating, you're doing breath work, et cetera, you remember that feeling and you're able to tap into that. And the more you're able to tap into that feeling, you're just going to be like a magnet pulling that dream reality to you. And then you get to get your hands off the steering wheel and just watch the magic happen. So I'm so excited, man. So pumped for this. <laughs> yeah, it's going to, it's, it's going to be really good. And I, I told you before, you know, we had talked about this. I said, you know, this is something that I've been wanting to do for so long, but finding the right puzzle piece to bring these two worlds together, because me living in the breathwork space for eight plus years, you being in the cannabis space, it really is a perfect fit to, to create something really epic and, and uh, yeah, something that I haven't seen really being done in this type of way. So yeah, you know, cannabis and breath work, my goodness, if you guys haven't experienced yet, I mean, it is one of the most profound experiences and scientifically my theory on it, there isn't that much research on it, but cannabis produces melatonin. Melatonin is a precursor to DMT when we're breathing, right? Especially in like sympathetic ways, we're releasing DMT. And so if you have more precursor, then you're going to have more DMT when it gets converted and the experience can be extremely profound. And it's really a transcendental experience, right? You're going up into gamma waves and you're having a profound experience. And so, you know, I get smitten, especially when I do cannabis and breath work with people for the first time, because it's just so much fun. And I know you've experienced it too, so you know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's such a unique feeling. And I've experimented with breath work and many different plant medicines, but there's something very special about cannabis that is just unbelievable. And so I'm so excited for people to experience that. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's going to be, it's going to be epic. So anybody that wants to learn more about that, I'm going to put this in the show notes. You guys can check it out, click the link and then get your spot. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have, uh, some epic beans from around the globe joining us and really, really looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm so excited. And for anyone who wants to dive into that three-step process and the three ways to understand cannabis more, um, Chris, I'll give you the link to our free conscious cannabis guide, which we'll dive Beautiful. into this a little more in depth too. And uh, for anyone who's interested, dive into that. That'll give you a lot to work with. Awesome. And uh, before I let you go, where can people find you uh, if they want to reach out? Yeah. So the best place to find me, uh, you know, Instagram at the real Ryan Sprague. My last name is S-P-R-A-G-U-E. That's my personal account. We also have the business account at highly.optimized, which if you like what I was talking about today, we post constant tips and tricks in there. We're also doing the podcast releases in there for both podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, I have two podcasts, the highly optimized podcast, which showcases conscious leaders living a life of their own drum. And also the This One Time on Psychedelics podcast, which showcases uh, true firsthand accounts of the experiences, benefits, risks, and transformations taking place within the ever-expanding world of plant medicines. And then we have the Ceremony Circle, our community on Facebook, uh, where you can hop in there. I'm in there weekly on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern doing lives. It's so much fun. And then we also have um, a Telegram group as well. And uh, a couple other things too in our link tree that you can find us through like our conscious cannabis guide. And if you're interested in either of the programs, uh, we have a discovery call link in the link tree as well. And um, sign up, come say hi. I'm, I'm a talker. I love chatting. So yeah, come say hi to me. <laughs> Amazing brother. 
Well, I really appreciate you hopping on. Like this has been one of my favorite conversations that I've had in a long time. And, uh, you know, I mean, I have epic conversations all the time, but just like (laughs) this one really hit home because it's uh, something that I feel really passionate about as well. And so I, again, appreciate you and all the beautiful work you're doing in the world and look forward to uh, our collaboration coming up. Chris, thank you so much, man. You're amazing host. Thanks for asking amazing questions. And I am so excited for what the future has in store for us, brother. (laughs) Hell yeah, my man. Have a great day and we'll talk to you soon.